Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Thursday, September 21st, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. That book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland, Aramaic, Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it's been our experience that the more people do that and actively apply these tools in their life, the better the experience of life is. And Secondarily, because it also attempts to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we would appreciate you doing that by giving us a call at 563-999-3581. Press 1 on your phone. Or if you're listening through the archives, you can send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email genie at j-e-a-n-i-e 
at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N.org. If we get those comments or questions or testimonials from you, we will address them on the Internet show, and then as time allows, send you a notification about what day and time we were able to do that, and you can listen back to the archives to get your feedback. And we greatly appreciate when that happens because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. Our intention with this work is to be a service, and that's just a lot easier to do when people send us an email and tell us how it's working or give us a call. A lot of people, I don't know about a lot, but some people listen to the Internet show through uh, the Internet on their computer and they don't show up on the switchboard because they're not calling in. If they do that, if you're live and you want to call in, the number to call in and have some input or ask a question is 563-999-3581. And away we go. We have plenty of time today for comments, questions. This is a Thursday, so tonight there will be a support group. It's basically... uh, Ten years now that the Thursday group has been available. In the beginning, we asked for a donation. We never refused anybody for financial reasons. And since the coronavirus restrictions hit, we have made them all all open free and available through the Internet. So if you want to go to MindShiftersAcademy.org website, you'll find a separate login information page for the Tuesday support group and a separate one for the Thursday support group. Feel free to use that yourself and or pass the information along to anybody you think might benefit. As I like to tell people, it's me donating my time twice a week, a minimum of two and a half hours, to support people in using and teach them how to use some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. And um, there are times when people want to go to therapy, but they don't have insurance and they can't afford the hourly rate. And I routinely offer that. Here's a support group. Here are people using and learning more and more about some of the most powerful and effective and efficient tools I've ever encountered and it's free and sometimes it's just mind-boggling to me that they want to go to therapy and they want to learn how to improve their life and yet they won't take advantage of a free support group and everybody's got their own reasons for that and I honor it but it does baffle me sometimes especially when they're you know they're they're calling for help and they're saying it's such a desperate need and there's no money to pay for private counseling so so just a resource that's available uh every little bit you might be able to do to help us spread the word about that is greatly appreciated and um There was something else I was going to mention about the support group today, but it's slipping my mind right now, so if it comes back around, I'll I'll circle back to it and share it. In the meantime, if no one raises a hand, we will probably get back into the discussion of 
one book or another. We have been uh, reading from some of the questions from the question and answer section of the book by Christian Sundberg titled A Walk in the Physical. And as I've mentioned, a lot of these question and answers are quite repetitive, and I'm not going to read them all. I'm I'm just trying to highlight for people how the core answer to most of these questions is the same, that that which gave rise to existence, to creation, to consciousness, to us as beings, has only loving, creative, expansive intention. And it's absolutely possible for us, we do it on a regular basis, for us to look at that, the result of life, the result of creation, the result of that expansion, and say, this is horrible, this is bad, this is wrong. We do it whenever there's a tornado that we don't like. We do it whenever there's a hurricane or a flood or a fire, or we do it when some nation pulls some move that hurts another nation or throws bombs at somebody, etc. And we, we interpret it and throw a label on it and thereby create our experience of it. And we label it as right or wrong, good or bad, up or down, etc. And yet, the flow of life itself is just flowing. It's just creating. It's just expanding. With the intention of continuing that flow of life to extend love, to extend creation, to Increase the possibilities and the probabilities that those who have conscious choice opt to choose more for love and less for fear. So... um, So one of the questions in the Q&A session reads, something I'll get to in a minute. Area code 610, you're in the air. Boy, oh boy, Dr. Tim, this is, I've just been thinking about this same thing because um, um, Diederich said, and yeah, he said, it's all for love. Uh, and he talked about his father and that awful experience that I'm already judging is awful, but his father had a revelation of God right then, which means that anything could give his, us. His, excuse me, but I couldn't hear you. His father what? <clears throat> had that experience of being thrown on a pile of bodies and and found God right then in the worst of circumstances, which basically means we can find the bliss or love of God in any 
circumstance through anyone or anything. <clears throat> but the guy didn't organize that. It was a gift that he couldn't maintain, but that's an aside. It's just that it is available. Um, and, uh, you know, I've just been watching all kinds of reactions which are not happy reactions to little and big things in my life. And I think I've gotten confused between the word love because for me, love still means a feeling. I don't think you're talking about a feeling. If you could make some comments about that, that would be great. Like, what is that? (laughs) Well, and and that's the problem we have, right? And this is one of the things that Diedrich Wolzak talks about and certainly... Christian Sundberg talks about very explicitly, we're just going to use words. And as Michael Rice likes to point out so clearly, words don't have any meaning until they land in the mind of someone and stirs up or resonates the content that's already in that mind. Yeah. And so, you know, someone who's raised in a different culture, I had someone in my office yesterday who was, um, first language was Spanish, Mexican. He's born in Mexico, and so this Spanish-speaking family, and, and I was trying to explain this concept to him, and I said, so I pointed at the chair, and I said, so what, what, what when you were growing up, what did they call this thing? And I forget exactly the, the the word he spit out, but I said, okay, so you say that word to me, and I have no idea what it means. I have no content in my mind, no history of people using a chair or an object like a chair and calling it this or that, other anything other than a chair. Mm. So when we start talking about concepts like love, and and if you talk to the Greeks, they've got, you know, all these various kinds of love. There's brotherly love and erotic love, et cetera. Agape, the love of the whole life expansion force, et cetera. And, and that's just people that developing different mental, emotional concepts and then creating words to represent those concepts. Right. But it doesn't exist anywhere except in the mind of the person who's going through those mental machinations. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about love in this sense, if you use a capital L love and you say it's the energy of creation. You know, we had mm-hmm. Dale Allen Hoffman uh, on a video uh, on Tuesday in our support group talking about the most difficult word to translate from the ancient Aramaic and from the Bible that was written in ancient Aramaic and he said, over and over again, when he's in interviews, people say, so what's the most difficult word to translate? And he says, word. And they say, yeah. Uh-huh. And they go through an Abbott and Costello routine about the word, word. Yeah, the word. The essence of that in the ancient Aramaic was a word like milta. It's, it's this... It's the substance of everything. It's the creative life force. It's consciousness expanding. It's, there's no way to put a simple definition on it. 
except it's the substance of everything. Mm. So, you know, it's not that the Word of God is written in a book and you hold up the book and say, here's the Word of God. No, the Word of God grows your fingernails. The Word of God expands universes. Mm. The Word of God keeps your heart beating. The Word, Miltad, this, you know, uh, the essence, Heikla, this, this movement of energy expanding, in, in, you might say some people, Heikla is a temple, but it's the growing energy of life expanding. And that's the same thing that in these deeper spiritual teachings they're calling love. It's just there to grow and expand and perpetuate itself. So, and to, some would say, and to have an experience of itself from different perspectives, which is what Christian Sundberg talks about in this work. So, you know, Michael Rice, bless his heart. This guy's got, you know, he's got a, a burr under his saddle for anybody who says, I love you, right? That's a verb. That's not a, it's a noun, not a verb. And you're, so then he's got to go into the process of figuring out, right? listen, there's this real thing that I, I have these energies, I have this attachment to these people, so what other words can I use and start training myself to use other than using the word love as a verb? So they've come mm. up with things like, you know, I cherish you, I appreciate you, I enjoy spending time with you, um, I value you, I'm going to honor you, as ways to get around saying I love you. But not because we don't yeah. want to say I love you. We want to say the very thing. <laughs> I have high value for you. I appreciate you deeply. You're very important to me, etc. I just want to make us this special place for the word love, capital L, love, as a noun, as the energy of creation, as what your true nature is, and not contaminate it by then using it as a verb and using it for how I feel about this wonderful um, multigrain bread they have at the bakery. Oh, I just love that bread. Okay, so, you know, he's, he's actively working to try to isolate the word love as a noun to help with the very thing you're asking about here, to create a definition that is a common working definition for people who are involved in this work around that energy and around your true nature and around your ability to expand and extend that true nature in interactions with people. That's the way the Way of Mastery talks about it. It says, quit trying to get people to love you. For all, by all means, please quit trying to get people to believe you love them. Now, Understand your true nature is love, and please feel free to extend that energy, that true nature of yourself, this conscious creative force, in every interaction with everyone and everything. But don't mm. think you're missing it and you need to get it from somebody else or that it's a verb or an action that other people can do to you or that you should do to them. Recognize that this word love is just another way to talk about the energy of creation, extending and expressing, sometimes in form, sometimes in consciousness, but it's, it's you know, now, now we've, we've got ourselves into this, this little 
set of a very small set of constraints to use Christian Sundberg's terminology when we're trying to deal with language. Mm. And that's why Michael Rice says, look, if you want to know what love is, remember a time when you held a puppy or you held a newborn infant or you, you, your breath was taken away at some you know, wonderful natural event. And the energy mm. you felt moving through you in that time, the energy that you could feel being expressed in, through, as, and around this other being, that's what love is. The word allowing or the word expanding, uh, both of those are really good, useful words at the moment for me. Maybe not for somebody else, but you're talking about the opposite of a contraction, a protectiveness, basically a response to a belief that comes from fear or tells us we should be afraid. Exactly. I've been watching this so much with with Michael downstairs and realizing if I can keep keep the idea of expanding and allowing and not knowing, being in the present, not knowing what the future holds, even as his situation seems to be getting physically and mentally worse. I'm thinking I need to grow, I need to grow, I need to stay open, get even more open, keep staying open, stay one step ahead of the new, you know, the big toothache or or the loss of a car or not taking jobs because there's no energy there, there's no drive there. And still choosing to allow and not go into contraction and anger and all the junk that I go through, this has been the most amazing exercise. But when Dietrich Volzak said that about it's all for love, it's all for love, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> but, and so just having other words, not the, per, not the ones that Michael uses. I understand what he's doing. He's avoiding using that word, love, but he's dancing all around it. And for me, it's just a translation of the word love, and I haven't been very successful putting those to use because they all, all end up meaning love in the sense that I've always meant it, which has been a limitation and a requirement to have feelings. Like I can love, I can be open, but I don't have to feel something. And... I think if I don't feel it, I'm not, I'm not really allowing. So it goes around and around in these circles. I hope that made sense. <clears throat> well, um, yeah, right? but that's, this, is, this is our work, is to, to, you might say, wrestle with or, or work with or you know, hold these things in our mouth and taste them and, and see how it, it works out for us to express them in one way and then does that then lead us to living in a different way that feels more loving, more expansive, more inclusive, more in allowing, more surrendering to the flow of life to be taught. Mm. And, and, and again, yep. that's the whole series of words I just prattled off. What does that mean for somebody? Well, for somebody that's going to mean getting out of bed earlier and getting, you know, going more and doing more. And for other people, that's going to mean slowing down and meditating more and, 
So it's just, mm. you know, again and again we try and say, please don't get caught up in the words, but find a way to use right. this whole process of discussing things to usher yourself into a place where you have a new experience of yourself and life. That's mm-hmm. how we grow. We grow through experience. We don't grow mm-hmm. so much through talking about, and in most cases in our cu- country, at least in this culture, talking at people. Mm. <laughs> we don't grow that way. We grow by having experiences. Well, Dietrich Walzak says, choose again. And I can, in the moment of feeling tightening, a judgment popping right up, and they are all very available, I can say, choose again, take that breath, step away, allow. And I'm then I'm thinking, you often talk about the truth, capital T, and I'm wondering, you know, certainly my immediate negative reaction is a kind of truth. And no, I'm choosing. No, no, no. Let, okay. Let's let's just have it. Let, let's get clear that when I say capital T truth, it's a very simple definition. It's okay. what actually is, without the human interpretation, without any oh. emotional content. Right? It's what actually okay. is. Now, in that sense, you can say your negative reaction is the truth because you're having a negative reaction. It's actually. Yeah. But in this case, what we want to say is your negative reaction is true in the capital T sense because you're experiencing it. And then Guy Finley helps us with this, and he comes in and says, the feel of that negative emotion is real. The feel is real. And the why is a lie. Oh, your mind is telling you that you're feeling this negative reaction because X, Y, or Z inside of you or outside of you is the way it is. And Guy Finley, is, is, with his little poetic way of saying it, very poignantly, the feeling of negativity is real and the why is a lie. I love right? it. That really helps. And then, you know, um, a couple of days ago, uh, earlier last week, whatever it was, I was dealing with somebody and said it for the first time this way, more succinctly than ever before, whenever I'm upset, my mind is lying to me. Mm-hmm. I'm never, now the Course mm-hmm. in Miracles says, I'm never upset for the reasons I think I am. And yeah. so it came out of me in a session with somebody, whenever I'm upset, I'm never upset for the reasons my mind is telling me I'm upset. Mm-hmm. Never. And yet that's what we have to work with when we tell our stories that give in When a we tell our stories, yes. Give, that, yes. That's right. And when we tell our stories, yes. And when we're trained that way. However, Michael Rice has it in his worksheets. If I'm in pain, I'm in error. Originally, that was the way it was stated. If I'm in pain, I'm yeah. in error. Now, on the current worksheet, mm-hmm. it says, if I'm in pain, my thinking is in error. Mm-hmm. Okay? A little, little tweak, a little semantics. Maybe it's easier for some people to accept it that way. And the point is the same as what comes out when Guy Finley says, the feeling is real. The why is a lie. I like that so they, much. 
it's it's the yeah. same thing that comes out when we say whenever i'm upset i am never upset for the reasons my mind is telling me i'm upset never i wonder that's, if that's always that's true that's the same <laughs> that's, that's it, did you say i wonder if that's always true yeah is that what you said? Yeah, well, right. test I it did. out for yourself, right? How do we find that out? We we experience it. That's the only way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what uh, David Bohm would call sustained incoherence. There's that process of thought that has a, a fundamental flaw in the actual process of thought, and it cannot lead us to a resolution when the process that we're using to try and resolve it is the process that created the upset. Mm. Mm. It's exactly the same thing that Krishnamurti came up across, and that's why Krishnamurti and David Bohm have found such camaraderie, and they did interviews together and long discussions together because they both stumbled across the same thing, one from the perspective of a a a physics professor and the other one from a great spiritual teacher. Mm. Amazing. Well, I can feel some worksheets bubbling up, Dr. Kim. Yeah. Do tell. Okay. In what regard? Oh, well, because I think I have a, an idea now, and I've had little pieces of it about why I have such strong reactions to Michael. And I've mentioned them before, but I'm certainly not getting to the bottom of them. His well, you'll know you'll know when you're at the bottom yeah. of it. You'll know when yeah. you're at the bottom of it when, after you take a breath and you hit that bottom, and you look at Michael, mm-hmm. there will be zero upset. There will be calm. There will be compassion. There will be contentment. That's how you'll know you hit the bottom. When you see it clearly, both David from Bohm, that. Well, no, it's just, just, just it's, it's only a moment away, as Paul Simon would say. And uh, huh. But the idea is that when I see clearly the absolute truth, it ceases to create disruption for me. Right? The... It's like what Guy Finley says when he says, the mind only stops what it's doing, automatically churning and doing. The mind only stops that process when it wakes up and realizes that it is the source of its pain, not the solution to it. But until that happens, the mind just keeps churning, doing what it does. It's that automatic you know, level of consciousness that, mechanical level of consciousness that Guy Finley talks about. Mm. So your mind is going to keep churning. The point is, Mm. you can learn to step back and observe it and not believe what it's doing, especially when the fruits of its productivity are negative. Oh boy, true. Well, this is leads to the question I was going to ask at the end of the radio show yesterday is you've often said do not put a person on a pedestal and 
yet we establish our, I establish my own pedestals. I've never thought of it this way, but I'm on a pedestal with my goals. I feel as if I would do things differently, I would do better, I wouldn't do this, I wouldn't do that, and he is inferior. So I'm standing on this block, and he's down below somewhere. And, of course, as much as you do that, you probably do the opposite of putting some people way up above you and want to get what they have or learn what they have to teach or whatever it happens to be. Um, And we create lots of pedestals. And I've been puzzling about this. For instance, Michael Rice, he has a doctorate. He doesn't call himself Dr. Michael Rice most of the time. He, I think, is mentioning that he's a doctor so people on the radio show will know that he's done a lot of studying, a lot of work, but he doesn't call himself Dr. Michael Rice. Not only that, but he doesn't capitalize his name in written now, there, now, what do you think that's about? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's just... What do you think that's about? It's, really? Really? It's, it's too much. <laughs> it's too much. It's like saying... Come on. Come I on. What's that about? How, what's how about, about, how about the... Listen, how about the artist formerly known as Prince? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember that? Is yeah. that about humility? Is that about humility? <laughs> no. 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 None of them. It's about, it's, being, about it's about being different. Yeah. yeah. Different and in Michael Rice's case, and this is me speaking and thinking, I'm not saying he's doing this at all, but I think he calls attention to his intended humility by not capitalizing if he just said Michael Rice with capital M, exactly. capital R, it would be, like we wouldn't else. even, That's right. we wouldn't think That's about right. it. So I find that <laughs> exactly. complicated. Well, so, it isn't know, very been, complicated. It's very simple. You just said it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. But, you know, well, anyway, I, you're does stuck it, does that help on you, the radio does, show. Does, it, does that help you? Does that help you take it off the pedestal a little bit? It should. Yeah. If you see that, yeah. If you see that and you say, oh my gosh, that is just so great of him to not capitalize his name. Now you're putting him back (laughs) on the pedestal. I know. Oh, look at how, look at how humble he is. Look at how, you know, I I like the time that, (laughs) what can I do to show you that my ego is so small that I am just so, Pure and so it reminds me of the time I was down at Heartland for one of those nine-day intensives, and they put me in a. Well, I, I you know you drive eleven, twelve hours to get there. It's a long day. At the end of the day, you get there and they say, "Oh, here you're you're sleeping in this bunkhouse." Yeah, it, it's just you know it's very rustic down there. So I, it's the end of a like a twelve, thirteen, fifteen-hour day for me. Twelve of it was driving right. And I get in there, and here is this guy in his 70s, late 70s, early 80s, a Native American elder, mm-hmm. and he's up on a top bunk. Mm-hmm. And I get ushered in and introduced to him, and then whoever you know, showed me in there just disappears. And so there's me and this guy. And I'm exhausted. I don't know him. 
and he's up on one elbow, and he's holding forth to me all about mm-hmm. who he is and how he got there and who this Dr. Michael Rice is and who the hell does Dr. Michael Rice think he is. And this eldest Native American elder has no ego, but Dr. Rice has this huge ego. <laughs> 45 minutes. 45 minutes this oh guy's talking. Oh, my God. As I'm, you know, oh, wishing I could just sleep. And mm-hmm, of I, I listen. I try to be polite, you know, the way my parents raised me. And and um, I'm not really agreeing with him. I'm just listening. I, say, right, I can see your point there, et cetera. But he was all upset because Michael Rice, in his opinion, was so full of himself that he was going to ask this Native American elder, who he should be venerating because he's so wise, he's going to ask him mm-hmm. to work at Michael Rice's retreat center in exchange mm-hmm. for coming to this intensive for free. This was what the guy was talking about for 45 minutes. Uh, and that, oh, and that's God. proof that Michael Rice thinks that he's so great and has such a huge ego. And I don't remember what the actual proofs were that this Native American elder was um, giving about how he doesn't have an ego. But anyway, that that happened. <laughs> Right, and I slept, and I got up the next morning, and um, when I got up, he was still in bed, and I went up and did my little meditative practice, and and walked to the main, uh, the the, the heart center that, that where everybody gathers right. for classes all day and everything, and I had this vision flash into my head. It was just this full fledged. It played out. And, and here's the vision. In, in, my, in my, my, my daydream, we're gathering in the heart center for class and where you have your meals and everything else. We're gathered there, and we're ready for class. Meal cleanup has been done, and everybody's sitting around in this room. And all of a sudden, one of the, the neighboring houses emits all of this racket and noise, and there's crashing and there's screaming and stuff gets thrown out a window and we're all up in arms like what is that and Jeannie says oh no just relax it's no problem and we said what do you mean she said it's just they got one of those new machines that arrived yesterday that measures ego and they're just discussing who has the smaller ego (laughs) (laughs) oh god help us Yeah, and, and I, you know, I just, I, it, it's just that's who we are as humans, right? We were we're taught that you're supposed to have a a big ego, or you're supposed to have a small ego, and and whatever we're taught and we think we need, we're going to fight for it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we want to be different, and we want to set ourselves apart, and we want to be seen a certain way. All of it is a trap. Mm-hmm. If you see anything other than you are exactly like everyone you're around. It's a lie. The oneness. Remember That's that thing exactly. I read from 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 uh, what's his name, uh, Sandy Wilder, the other day about oneness. Yeah. What if we're all just parts of the one creative force, trying to know herself differently, and everything mm-hmm. we do is just that. Hmm. So at any level, when you put anybody on a pedestal, 
know that you're in error in that moment because you're seeing something that doesn't exist anywhere but in your mind in that moment. Mm-hmm. And if it leaves you feeling less than or greater than somebody else, it's a deception. Yeah. Well, I think in the end for me at this point, I need a blast of grace. I understand what you've been saying. I'm just waiting for the latch to open on that gate. And I don't feel as... Well, I just don't feel as if I ha- I can open that. I can understand what you're saying. I can think it's absolutely right. I can tell myself everything that comes to me is God's love coming to me. But I still have to, and I make my choices over and over again to be kind. And I, I'm good. I'm, I've been trained well not to blow up at people. Vivekananda once said, if you really want to grow and you're a really, you see yourself as a really good person, you should probably go out there and commit some criminal acts and lie all over the place. Then you can come back and be the good person you think you are. If there's that garbage, I guess he's saying you have to clean, you have to go to the bottom of it, see it all there. He was saying act it out. Uh, uh, I don't know if I'm making any sense. So I thought, I thought, what if I blew up at Michael? What if I blew my total stack? And, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking maybe that'll clean out the pus. Of course, it'll hurt him. And uh, that isn't my intention. But I'm I'm really just wrestling with a lot of stuff about this, and I don't know if any of that just made any sense or not. <clears throat> well, here's what, here's like what comes to me to say in in response to that for you. Yeah. Okay. When you say maybe I should blow up at him, I say, why don't you go journal everything you want to say in the blow up? There's no reason to throw it in his face, but. Yeah. In, in your in your Vivekananda, you know, uh, experience, you don't need to do you don't need to go out and commit the crime. You just need to get mm-hmm. in touch with the part of you that would love to have all of the money they have in that bank. Right? Oh, yeah. Or they would love to have your, your your neighbor's swimming pool or whatever. And so uh, yeah. If you did the journaling about all of the negative feelings and what you really feel about Michael being there, etc., then That's a good that, idea. that will serve you just as well and will be far less disruptive for Michael mm-hmm. than you deciding you need to go blow up in his face. That's a good idea. I've always thought I knew what was in there, but I don't think so. I think you're right. That's a good idea. And, of course, in that, that's kind of like the targeted journaling. In that, you're going to start stirring up all kinds of stuff and associations and perhaps trauma mm-hmm. energies and beliefs and negative beliefs about yourself that were downloaded and in interacting with your family and your friends and the bullies at school and your first true loves, et cetera. And, and that, mm-hmm. as it gets stirred up, 
you just get to see it more directly and clearly at a conscious level, and now it's accessible. And then, then you get to see in different ways how we're all the same. Right? Yeah, I have certain things that I lust after, and I have certain things that I'd love to see different, and I have certain people that I'd love to just see obliterated. So they don't, they're not out there doing all this damage. And, and there's, if those things are in me and I'm honest about them, I don't need to go act on them. But that's what mm-hmm. Vivekananda is saying, you know, if if you think that's not in there, if you're thinking you're so high and, and lordly, and then you're full of it because you're not <laughs> seeing the truth, mm-hmm. right? The truth is nobody sits in some enlightened state with no possibility of being triggered. If they're alive, if they're breathing, if they're paying attention to the flow of life, Anybody that's still in a body can get triggered. And if you elevate that person and put them on a pedestal or put yourself down from them, it's an error that keeps you stuck. And what does Mm -hmm. it keep you stuck from doing? It keeps you from seeing the truth of your true nature and theirs. You know, that's one of the things that you and Michael Rice have been Thing all along, or at least I've been paying attention more lately, is that we're all in this together. We all have this stuff. Nobody is spared that. A person who is considered enlightened, you can let that go. They, reminds me of a joke. Swami used to tell us this joke when we were studying Hinduism. There was this guru on the top of a mountain and I forget the, what he said about enlightenment, but life is like a, a chain bridge. So we all went up the mountain, and we crawl up there, great difficulty. We get to his feet, and we say, tell us. And he says, life is a chain bridge. And we say, what? That doesn't make any sense. And the guru gets startled. He says, you mean it isn't like a chain bridge? I don't know. It's, it's the same idea. He sort of woke up to the fact that he wasn't enlightened, I guess. I love that little joke. Anyway, um, that's good. That's helpful. This is all very immediate because we're living together in this fairly small house. Um, and uh, I would say this is a great opportunity. And it is. If I can rise to it, Tim and I, Tim Bingham and I had a flu shot shot and a COVID shot yesterday, and we're both kind of achy and headachy and tired. And so maybe the reserves are low. Maybe why that's one of the reasons we're both, especially me, fussing about these things. But I, I feel today as if I just, this is too big of a lesson to have to learn. Like if I had a choice in heaven before I get, got here, I'd pull a, uh, Christian Sunbury, and I'd say, I'll come here on one condition, that we have no <laughs> homeless people living with us, or some some condition. He got to say his conditions. I feel as if I'm not, have no power to say my conditions. Oh, boy, that's a big one. I just heard what I said. I do have it. Oh, good. That's good. Okay. All right. And so now what's, what's the work for you there? I know. 
I I yeah. feel like I need more power, right? Yeah. So so like Christian Sundberg recognized that um, he needed to uh, do work around fear. Remember that his writing? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. So he had this um, this realization in his consciousness in his non-physical state before he came um, into a physical body that he had right. serious work to do around fear. And so um, he planned an, an incarnation, a life in the body that would be yeah. you know, like a, I forget what he said, it would be about a 98, you know, 95, 98% help him you know, if he got through that incarnation, he would master his fear at this level and that level. Well, yeah. that means it was a really intense incarnation he had lined up. Mm-hmm. And it was so intense that as the the physical body of the fetus was growing and he was getting more associated with it and, and thinking about what he was going to be doing, he got so terrified that he pulled out. He said, no, I can't do this. I'm not doing it. And he stopped the process. Yeah, he aborted. He aborted uh, the game, you might say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, think about that, right? So it's not like that. That, that what he think about it this way. He's saying that when he did this, he agreed to come back but only if he could remember certain things and only if he could have a certain level of intelligence, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the powers that be, you know, in this, in this fantastical way that we're thinking about it from our human minds, of course, none of this exists that way outside the human mind. But in our little human minds, we think, oh, there's a, you know, there's a board of directors up there, you know, like the guys at a, at a university and they're setting the curriculum and they're agreeing he can have a special curriculum and how come he gets a special curriculum? <laughs> All that craziness, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, I've thought but, that. I thought, hey. Yeah, but, but, but the mm, essence yeah. of it is this. But the essence of it is this. If, if it, it, it all just functions according to universal principles and you can't violate those principles, so if he said, I will come, but only if I can have this and this and this, and any of that would have made it so he wasn't so fearful, mm-hmm. if they let him have it, it prevents him from growing by experiencing the fear. Mm-hmm. So, Got it. So... You know, he put those things in place. If he gets them, it limits how much he can grow. Or he yeah. gets them, and it still has nothing to do with how much terror he's going to face in the incarnation. Mm-hmm. So you just said something about control. And so what if one of the big lessons for you in this incarnation is how to get more and more comfortable with less and less control. Yeah. Totally. 
So, so what if you just breathe and soften into that and let yourself do some journaling about that and do worksheets around that and not worry about what Christian Sundberg got or what Michael Rice does with his ego or whatever and just focus on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yep. Mm. How wonderful it will be, I'll put it that way, when all of what happens can be perceived the way Diederich Walzak says it is meant to be, which is love coming your way. Whoa, everything would be so great. And you said something about how much we love being victim. I'm hanging on to that. I can see the truth of that. Yeah. Well, you did it again, Dr. Tim. All right. Well, um, hold on. Uh, With you saying that, I look up and I see that there's a hand up, area code 541. Is this Celinda? Yes, it is. I've been enjoying this whole conversation because, Susan, I am very, thank you, Dr. Tim. Susan, I'm very grateful that I am a pea in your pod, or you seem to be a pea in my pod, (laughs) one way, because I feel like we're just leapfrogging over each other. I really appreciate your dialogues with Dr. Tim, your, your two dialogues. Together, I do have a couple of things I would love to add, just to throw in the in the hopper. Um, I don't have an issue with loving or love anymore. Once I sorted through, and thank goodness for that Jewish book that um, was titled "God is a is a verb." Um, it suddenly dawned on me, hey. Love extending is loving. So, and the being comes before the doing. So, why am I wrestling over one or the other being truth? And um, I'm just going to walk down the straight down the middle on that one. So, that was my first comment. If you have anything to say about that, my second comment is um, co creation. I have this very strong image that from the very beginning of creation, we were given the spirit and the mind of God and the beingness of God, the breath of God, the whole nine yards, and that we have been co-creating from the very beginning and that love allows, accepts, transforms and therefore um, transcends. Um, and so the whole story even about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the minds of creator, and this is just my story, I have no idea if it's true or not, but I'm practicing it, um, was a co-creative event. God put the tree there metaphorically and Adam and Eve chose to respond to it. And how we are to respond 
to whatever life comes to us. <laughs> Therein lies the practice. And so with the whole story of uh, that uh, Sunbird mentioned about his abortion and coming back down and asking for him for intelligence kind of, kind of fits for me, right? Like what you were saying, Dr. Tim, is that love cannot violate itself. Truth can never uh, contradict itself. And so it wasn't that he was told what life he was going to get. He co-created with whoever that source was that was helping him, his advisor, whatever you call. Uh, He was creating his next physical incarnation. He always had free choice. He always has free, we always have free choice, but like Dr. Tim, you said, we'd prefer being a victim because we don't want to be responsible. And that's why we cut ourselves off from the very beginning because it was too painful to realize that it wasn't God that did it to us. It wasn't Satan that did it to us. It wasn't me that did it to us. It wasn't the apple that did it to us. It was we did it to us. Out of our ignorance, not out of our evilness, out of our ignorance. And so I just share that because in my most hopeless, helpless moments, I will never get this right. I will never be perfect. What I have to cling to, God is. God is. And this is. And I am. That's kind of, it keeps me. Uh, from going down the spiral of depression and all of that. So I would offer that with joy and in love. And I don't know if it's true. I'm just exploring it. All right. Well, I would support you in exploring that and see what it leads to for your own personal experience. And if it leads to more expansion and gratitude, then keep it up. And if it leads somewhere negative, I'd, I'd let it go. Off somewhere else. <laughs> you know, I would just I'd let it off. go. Yep. Do the Disney song. Yep. Yep. Or try something different. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both thank for your you. comments and discussion. I will mute you so you can listen into the second hour. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of this stuff that we call love. We actually are love and everything else is false. A reminder there will be a support group tonight from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Central Time and I will turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a wonderful show. Thanks. So welcome everybody to the second hour of MindShifters Radio, and today is Thursday, September the 21st, 2023, and our calling number is 563-999-3581, and press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and questions, because that makes this your show. And when Michael gets on, I will read a response. We had... Uh, addressed an email yesterday on the show, and um, I sent the lady uh, noticed that we had addressed her email, and uh, she listened to it, and so she has responded. So I'll read her response when Michael gets on. Excuse me for being out of breath. I've been out in the garden and 
ran in real quick just to grab a bite before the radio show. So, and running up the steps, getting my exercise this morning. <laughs> so, while we are uh, waiting, um, I will just say that we've put a new article out on the website. If you go to whyagain.org and you click on the healing from the ground up, and it is under, I'm clicking at the same time that I'm talking. All right, so you click on healing, and then healing from the ground up, and then homegrown park. And Michael's written a new article, and so it is out there. So you can go out there and read that. If you have any questions, let us know. And for those of you who are connected with me on Facebook, then you probably saw this morning someone, sometime or other, probably in the night, and the garden, that end of the garden where we have some signs, um, are not visible by our camera on the back of the house, so I have no idea who did it. But somebody came and stole one of our signs that says, in a world where you can be anything, be, B-E-E, kind, and it has a beautiful picture of a bee on it. <laughs> and someone took it. And it's like, oh, well, on the Facebook I said, I hope you enjoy it. And is that really kind that you stole our sign? <laughs> but anyway, it is a, a different world. Uh, I hope that they do enjoy that sign. We will just get a replacement for it. And our gardens are doing beautifully. And we are just very thankful. We'll get, we've planted fall crops and the flowers are coming up like crazy. They were a little bit late getting started, but they're absolutely beautiful. And there's bees and butterflies and hummingbirds and grasshoppers. And we even saw our first dragonfly last night. And So it's... Uh, it's been awesome bringing in all the new critters. Hummingbirds are still going crazy. And uh, I don't know when they stop migrating, but anyway. So Michael's not with us quite yet. Let me refresh my switchboard here. All right. So if you have a question, press 1 and it puts a hand up. We would love to hear from you. Let me check with him and see if he's having difficulties getting on. Are you getting on? All right. He is with us. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. Honored, delighted, and excited that we get to carry on this conversation. been deeply appreciative the last couple of days at the questions that... Uh, have opened up the dialogue that brings out deeper understandings of the uh, the teaching things that I haven't considered before that uh, through the uh, brilliant questioning that uh, that each person does and presents those questions are just really deeply appreciated and so I really uh, enjoyed and appreciated the conversation with Doug the other day and Julia, the work you did was just awesome, what it opened, open for me. Uh, personally, I feel like uh, with what we've uh, been doing the last couple of days, it kind of brought me to a new space, a new level of connectedness and vitality and aliveness. So I'm excited about being here. And so, Ms. Ginny, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? 
Uh, no to both of those, but I do have a response. You know, we had read this lady's email, and you had addressed yes. it. And so I had sent her a note. She's actually been listening to the show each day, but she responded, and she said, Sweet. Hi, Jean. Yeah, she says, Hi, Jeannie. I was able to listen and am very thankful for the advice. I will set aside time for the mind shifter soon. I asked two of my sisters, who I think were there at the time, but neither recall the event. Another sister, I'm blessed with four older sisters, wasn't there, but she was called to come and pick me up from my mom's to calm me down and take me home to my dad. She said that she asked them what happened but doesn't recall the response. She said, you broke her, quote, unquote. What a thing to put on a child that she broke her mom. My mother had and still struggles with severe depression and anxiety. All I can remember is her yelling, and I wanted to escape. Family fights were commonplace at the time, though I'm not sure why this one event was so different. And really interesting part about Michael's insight regarding the woman who had been beaten by her alcoholic father and his subsequent advice about, and Michael's subsequent advice about not drinking. My dad was an alcoholic. He spanked occasionally, but didn't otherwise physically abuse us. He passed in 2019 with multiple forms of dementia. I recently stopped drinking myself, but but had only been having one or two drinks a week at most, but even that came to seem like it was too much. I've already seen great help with doing the worksheets on this event, and I am excited to see where the additional work will take me. Thanks again, Kimberly. Powerful, and Kimberly, we're breathing with you. I hear you loud and clear. I actually just finished um, doing some processing with a cousin that I reconnected with, oh, just about a year ago from uh, childhood, someone that I recalled when I was about five interacting with, just very vague recall. And, and she disappeared. And she actually lived with my grandmother. And her father and mother came into the picture, and there was a lot of violence. And, uh, and at that point, she disappeared from my world. And uh, so I, I identify, I hear you loud and clear. And my offering would be that from what you've said, you know, listening to your words, the reason why... This one, this particular event was so different from any other that you were handed, at least as I understood, this is the first time I've heard Ginny read that. I hadn't seen the letter. But as I understood it, the message from your sister, older sister, who would be an authority, very likely, uh was that you broke your mother. And, you know, the first thought disorder, you know, you may look at, and it may be that your older sister is your power person. And remember, a power person is someone who has more of your power over your life than you do, that isn't functioning as love, and you perceive it as survival from what you're describing of those circumstances, it was dire enough that your older sister had to come and get you. 
and that would very likely be the survival aspect. It may not, you know, survival in the power person dynamic is not necessarily about physical survival. It can be psychological. It can be an emotional survival. It can be the survival of the self. And so if I understood the letter, letter correctly, that your sister fed you quite truly and quite literally the thought disorder that you were responsible for your mother's condition, <clears throat> then that type of misperception and that type of behavior, blame, you know, you might look at one of the end products of, of a power person dynamic is that under stress will do the behavior of that power person. And so you might look at, you know, from what I'm gathering, your sister was in blame. You might look at how blame has impacted your life if under stress, if that's what your mind defaults to rather than responsibility defaults to blame, then in the future, you know, you do some worksheets around that blame idea and around that situation with your sister, you know. <clears throat> Once a power person dynamic is instilled in the mind, it remains there impacting behavior through what we call in our laws of living course the automatic decision system. It becomes a decision in the mind that when the circumstances are right simply arises and takes over. And the thing that determines, you know, there are only three behaviors possible in response to an interaction in our lives if there's a power person dynamic instilled in our minds. And those three behaviors relate to the level of stress we're under. And my take, and as far as I know, there's nowhere in the world that this principle has ever been expressed before, that it's been understood so that we can work through it. And the three behaviors are dependent upon the level of stress that we are under. Remember that stress comes from setting goals. Somebody can be in a situation that seems like, oh, there's not really much going on, but they've got a thousand goals in their mind and they're overstressed and you say the wrong word to them and bingo, they just fly off the handle because their power person flew off the handle and the level of stress they're under inside of their own minds causes that level of behavior to kick in. So the three behaviors possible once a power person dynamic is kicked in are one, when there's no stress, the automatic decision system will kick in and cause us to do, even sometimes against our own will and choice, whatever it is we did to get along with our power person. Then when stress starts to build, we'll do whatever we did to resist and survive with our power person. And when we become ultra-stressed, we'll do whatever our power person did to us that we hated the most. So chances are, if, if I understood correctly, and if that's became a power person dynamic for you, then the default setting for your mind under stress very likely would be to step into blame, very likely self-blame and or blame of others. And so if that's true, that would be your next forgiveness work. That would be the next piece of work to do. And very likely, with it being that impactful a situation, 
you would um, this would this would probably be your seventy seven times seventy worksheet issue. You know, and they said to Yeshua, how many of these darn worksheets do we have to do anyway? Is seven enough? Peter made that request. And the response that came back from Yeshua toward Peter was, no, you may do, and the Greeks translate as 77 times 7, but in Aramaic, as I understand it, it's 77 times 70. You add a zero to a number scripturally, or a zero to a number, and that's infinity. And zero is the number of completion. Pardon me, seven is the number of completion. So 77 times 70, you'll do an infinite amount of work around any given issue until you're complete with it. And so there may be many worksheets to do in this arena in order to free yourself of the thought disorders of your power person and to heal the emotional trauma from that event. So that would be my input on the direction to go. Ms. Jeannie, do you have any other thoughts in that regard? No, that sounds awesome. And I'm not sure if Susan's hand's left over from Dr. Tim's, but her hand's up, so I'm going to turn her microphone on and we will see. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi, you guys. Can you hear me? You're loud and clear, but if you could just give me one second here. I have one other thought, and that is that if you're out there listening and you have the opportunity to call in, and if you want any any more, if you have any more details to add or any conversation to be had, I'd be glad to take that whole power person dynamic to another level with your specific situation. And so, welcome. Hey, how are you? Yo, I did. I'm well. I'm fine. Tim and I had both a flu shot and a COVID shot yesterday, so um, he seems to be okay, a little achy, and I seem to be okay, but a little more achy than he is. Tired, headache, Ouch. every bone, <laughs> you know how it is. My naturopath woman says, don't get those and don't get the shingle shot either. It's an onslaught to your immune system, but here we are, three of us in the house, and Michael downstairs says he wants to get them too. Uh, he, when he, when and if he goes to work again, he'll be among a lot of people. So I thought, in the age range we are, it's probably <clears throat> a good idea to do this. Even though I hear the other side loud and clear, my right. my wonderful nature path says. This is a bit much for the immune system, and you can I can feel that it is, but I seem to be okay. So, and your immune system is processing through it. Would be an I take. Yep. Oh, that's nice. That's a good word. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of processing going on around here. Otherwise, um, I'm going to go back upstairs where I was. I'm just getting something hot to drink. Yeah, yeah. I, Doctor Tim was terrific. He, he has a, as you do. He has a way of zeroing in on the crux of an issue. Our Michael here has become more and more of a challenge because he has a bad back. He's now got a toothache, and he has terrible teeth problems. 
of course, doesn't want to go to the dentist because he has no money to pay for it. Tim Bingham would pay for it. But he's, you know, it's hard for us because we don't want to meddle too much. He's got a mind of his own. and But he's very, very much in isolation now, spending all day down in the basement, coming up to walk his little dog and going back down. And, of course, I have a lot of you know, fears like we're going to be taking care of an invalid, uh, uh, whatever motivation he had. He has no car now. Um, he needs us taking places, but he's not really even going places. So I've been processing uh, my lack of control and my lack of friendly feelings toward him, which crop up powerfully and I'm choosing to be kind and holding a space of love but my interior is in disrepair and needs work so Dr. Tim suggested writing out all of the things my unbridled angry childish self would like to say to Michael and I can already see how destructive it would be if those things came out he doesn't need that. But there's a lot of fear, too, because his helplessness is, that's my interpretation of him, which means I'm afraid of helplessness, too, and all that stuff. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of processing to do. Well, it's a perfect place for a mind shifter. All right, I'm getting out my stuff. Would you like? A, we, have a, we have a mind shifter for that. <laughs> what one don't you have one for? You've got one for everything. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. It's safe and healing, comma. Mhm. Appreciated. Mhm. Comma approved of. Mhm. And accepted by Tim, your husband, accepted by Tim, mm-hmm. comma, mm-hmm. myself, comma, mm-hmm. and Michael. Yes. When I speak up and share every thought that goes through my mind. Oh, God, Michael. (sighs) Breathing, breathing, breathing. (laughs) Every thought I have, is that what you said? I mean, that comes Mm -hmm. to mind. That goes through my mind. All right. And what comes to mind as I say that, you know, the intuitive hit I get, what comes to mind is, and this may or may not be accurate, I just throw it out and see if it fits, but it it was almost like I got a visual of you as a small child being very disapproved of for expressing. Yeah, that, that fits. Um, 
This. So this may be the, the space to heal this response to disapproval, the pain of having to withhold. You know, how long have you felt in your life? Like, you know, what, you're 35 or 36 now, so for 35 years have you been withholding and holding things back? And maybe it's time to let the floodgates open and to heal the idea that you'll be disapproved of for just speaking your truth. Are you breathing? Well, yeah, no, as a matter of fact, I'm not. I am now. Um, You're not suggesting that I go out and do that. You're just having it put on paper. Because certainly if I did that in real life, it would be terrible, terrible, terrible. It would be terrible. That's the first thing you put down on the right side of the page. Okay. So notice that you have, and, you know, you don't just have a terrible in there. You've got a triple terrible on this one. Telling the truth is triple terrible. (laughs) That's what you want to put on the right side of the page. Guess what? (laughs) Telling the truth is safe and healing, always. The faster the truth is told, the faster the healing happens. So that's going to be a perfect mind shifter for you to work with. And when you're finished, you may just decide to say, I want to sit down, Tim, with you and Michael, and I've got some things I want to share. And, you know, I I think it would be, I can certainly see a space where sitting down with Michael and saying, gee, Michael, you know, you don't have a car now and your teeth, you're having a problem with, you know, a problem with your back. And I have a fear that you're going to be an invalid and I'm going to have to take care of you. I can see that as being a very constructive thing to open the space for, you know, I mean, Tim's there. I suspect that some of the withhold that you do is withheld perhaps because of Tim. I might be an error for that. But in any event, uh, to put that out on the table and, you know, I could see the upshot of that rather than being, oh, you terrible woman, look how evil, how terrible, terrible, terrible you are. I could easily see, you know, Michael going, you know, I can see why you'd be concerned about that. And, uh, you know, maybe it's time for me to look at at least what community resources might be there so that if I do get into a deeper state of of non-functionality, I have an alternative for support. You know, there's a, a state system or there's a city system or there's a town or a township or a county system that could support me. I could see that being the upshot of the conversation and being a, a construct for everybody because I suspect from what you've told me that he's very likely sitting down there right now going, oh, my God, what's going to happen if I get sicker? And, you know, is she going to throw me out? And where I could see it leading to a constructive conversation about, yeah, let's look at what resources are out there, and we'll certainly hold the space for you to get healthy and, you know, able to do the things around here that fulfill our exchange, and you're happy and we're happy, and, and you get healthier. And there's a support system that we've put in place in case it goes sideways. I can see that being a very constructive upshot of sharing the truth instead of it being terrible, terrible, terrible. Mm-hmm. You have um, 
broached the subject of, um, you know, assisted housing. He's got his name in in a place. It's a year and a half wait or more. They're very Mm. backed up and unresponsive. And then he'll say things like, I'm afraid they won't give me a first floor room and I'll have to use the stairs and I can't because of my equipment and the dog and the carriage for the dog and I need to be on the first floor and um, various, there are conditions. And so he's practically telling us he's not going to accept that anyway. Um, We've been kind of touching on some of this stuff over a period of time. Uh, right. And he'll usually escalate right to, advice if you want me out of here. So well, and that I, be, I, uh, you know, that sounds like one of his fears. You know, yeah. he's obviously probably many times been put out in some way, shape, or form, either in his own mind or actually by others. And so that can be a space of, wait a minute, Michael, I want us to have a fair exchange, and we've discussed that. And so this is not about putting out. This is about making reasonable, sensible plans for everybody involved, for you and for us. Mm-hmm. So that might be a space for reassurance for him. Mm-hmm. And he may not be accepting of that, but that won't be your responsibility if he's not accepting of that. Yeah, well, I know I'm pushing. I'm, I'm like in resistance because we've had some conversations along those lines, and there, there is a kind of um, helplessness uh, victim person that emerges. And, and if I can stay in my adult, and if Tim Bingham is there too, Tim doesn't really think about this because I'm thinking about it. I think he figures um, I'm kind of a buffer between Michael and him. I've said this before, and he has admitted it, that he doesn't have to think about it because I'm thinking about it. But, right. Um, yeah, that that makes sense, and I'm afraid. I even feel afraid of bringing that up. Okay, so that's the next thing that goes on the right side of the page of the mind shift. Okay. Okay. And there's your next worksheet. Maybe it's time for you to become, I can just see it now, the bright lights on Broadway. I can see it now. Hmm. Let's see, how exactly would it be worded? Susan Bingham, totally confident, comma, Free, fear-free woman. Mm. A child of God. I can see the light in the lights now. Nice. So, uh, so my take is: there's your next worksheet is to let go of this fear, because that's something you're bringing to this party. Yeah. Now he's probably got his fair share of it, and I don't know about Tim Bingham, but he may have his too. But. The only reason it's going to come into your mind is because you're bringing it from inside of you. And if you delete it, if you forgive it, then you don't have to bring that to the party. You can have the conversation in full confidence that this is just going to produce a wondrous outcome. There may be some challenges to handle. There may be some things to deal with. There may be rage or fear or grief on the part of any one of the three of us or maybe all three of us. 
But that's what I'm here to do is to, to process that and to heal. So let's go for it. And the fact that, you know, one of the things I really admire about you is rather than just talk about something, like you're ready to, to be supported and to go for the healing. And, you know, I've always admired that about you. When you call into the show, your conversation's about the work you're ready to do. And uh, and that's awesome. And we're here to support you in doing that. Like, I, I hold the space that you become a person that's just so connected to confidence that fear just doesn't enter your mind no matter what. Mm, that would be wonderful. Well, you know how yeah. you do that? Ow. You know how you arrive at that? You forgive your fear. Remember, forgiveness means removal. Yeah. It doesn't mean letting somebody else off the hook. It means no, that you own, take responsibility for, and remove it. So, you know, what if you were totally and completely physiologically psychologically and emotionally incapable of producing an energy called fear. It's just a a fear-free being. What if that were the truth about you? How different would your life be? It'd be very different. Then let's go Mm. for it, girl. (laughs) Breathing with you on that one. Yeah, I'm, my mind is divided right in two, one side fighting mm-hmm. the other already. So that's yeah. the double yeah. So self-expression is safe and healing. That might be another good mind shifter, just a simple one. Self-expression is safe and healing. And with it, mm-hmm. you earn acceptance. I'm writing that down. Because I'm arguing with that one. With it, I get acceptance. No, I don't. Okay, good. That's another one. And that's your past. But it doesn't have to be, because it's your past and what you bring to the party, doesn't mean it has to be your future. Right. I got that that's been your experience. I got that there's Mm -hmm. some pretty heavy-duty times with it. But it doesn't have to be the future just because it was the past. Yeah, you know I. And there is no um, future in the past. Right. Go ahead. I I just jumped. You've just made me realize I jumped to an extreme. Uh, There's a big middle ground of reasonable discourse uh, and support, and a lot of wiggle room in there. I picture escalating from hiding it all from anybody, including myself to going out and standing in the yard and roaring my, you know, the ugliest thoughts I've ever had. Mm-hmm. So right. The middle, the big middle ground there, got to get hold of that. Yeah, there's, there's room for communication and reasonableness and care and concern and the presence of love between people. And, and it's safe to process those things. 
And the first step to doing that is ownership of it. You know, I was working with someone the other day, and I kind of got a new way for me of explaining denial. And, you know, I've always described it as the act of thinking or speaking as though something outside of me is the cause of what's moving right. inside of me. And, and I right. think that goes a certain distance with people. But another, as I was working with this person, another level kind of came in as a way to explain it, and that is that, you know, when I was a child, there was an issue, a situation that happened, and I went into this, let's say in this case we're talking about fear, I went into this fear, and I walked away from it, totally engrossed in the fear and thinking about who I was blaming for it. And then there mm. came a time, you know, I was five then. And then when I was 15, I had an interaction with someone and I came away with fear. I didn't stop and say to myself, hmm, I have fear. Maybe I have something to heal. What I did was I thought about that person that I was blaming for it and how they you know, made me fearful and blah, blah, blah. And then when I was 20, I had an event with someone and, and fear came up in me and I walked away from that and I walked away never thinking about myself but thinking about them and how what they did to me and how they made me so fearful. And then at 25 and then at 30 and on and on goes the game. What if mm -hmm. I changed that whole dynamic and went, hmm, I'm not in fear because of the situation. I need to stop and think about myself. Not talk about them, not talk about the circumstance, not talk about the people involved, but think, focus on, and talk about me. Here I am in fear again. And I'm ready to own my fear and dissolve my fear. And I can't do that until I start to, in the middle of my muddle, whether my muddle is rage, you know, I'm angry at you. Why am I angry at you? Because you did this. No, I'm angry apparently at you because I have anger in me. That's why I was angry when I was four. That's why I was angry when I was 10. That's why I was angry when I was 15 and 20 and 30. And four. You know, <laughs> I need to stop this thing of all I do is focus on everybody else and talking about them and start to focus on and talk about me. Now I've got a key way into resolving whatever it is, fear, sadness, grief, rage, whatever it happens to be. But as long as I'm thinking and speaking about someone else, there's no resolution. It just goes on and on and on. It's, and the power oh, yeah. seems to be outside mm. of me. Yeah. When the Always. truth is the power is inside of you. So, Michael, at the very beginning of this, you formed a sentence that I could say to Michael. Michael, I see that with your dental this and your... Um, could you say that sentence again? Can you put it back? together sure I, I don't know if it'd be exactly the same but but basically no. looking at you know first of all you could do a review of the responsibility communication tool so you've got that in your mind and so mm -hmm. for me the conversation would go something like Michael you know I noticed that you've got 
more challenges today than you had yesterday or than when you came here. You know, you don't have a car now. Your teeth are bothering you. Uh, your back is bothering yep. you. And you seem to be, you know, maybe going in kind of a downhill direction. And yeah. one, I want to support you, but two, I also want to take care of myself. And, you know, if you keep going in the direction you're going in, you're going to be an invalid, and I don't have the wherewithal to take care of an invalid. Yeah. That would kind of be my approach. And so what I want to do now while we're still, we've still all got the capacity is I'd like to be looking at and having you look at what resources there might be if things continue to go downhill because I'm not prepared to, I'm not willing to, I'm not capable of taking care of you that way. So, you know, I have some fear about that, and I'd, I'd love any ideas you have to support me in healing my fear around that. And I want to support you in looking at what resources are. If you look at the trend of your life right now, it's not looking good. You know, what, what, can, what can you do about that? I mean, start looking for services or maybe take some responsibility for your life and do something about it or, you know, whatever direction it goes from there. But to me, that would be an opening. And and that it's a, a warm, friendly, supportive conversation, not one that's done from a mind of fear and, oh, look, you're going to become an invalid. But just, I have concerns, and I think they're reasonable for us to look at and address. So, you know, what do you say we work together and see what we can do about this for your sake and for mine? You know, I want to see you being taken care of as well as you can possibly be taken care of. Right. And that might require some action on your part. And if there's some action that I can take on, on your part, I'll do that too. But, you know, I'm inviting you into the conversation. You're, you're an important part of this. The Michael so you the, are imagining. Go ahead. Michael you are imagining I would be speaking to isn't the Michael that we'll be speaking to. I can adjust right. that as best I can. You're speaking to someone with far more receptivity and resilience right. and possibly even intelligence than we yeah. have living here. So yeah. and I know that sounds like resistance, but I wish you could come up no, here I and try that, <laughs> I can see that yeah. that might be very factual. I, I certainly hear you reciting the absolute facts. And so in that case, you know, part of the conversation can be, and, and Michael, I'm not sure that, you know, what your capabilities are of receiving this conversation or or what to do about it, but I'm here to support and see where we can go with it because I have a concern. Yeah. And, then and if he comes be back with, well, okay, you want me to leave, it's like, wait, Michael, that's not what I said. And, and you know, that we've, we've, you know, broached this conversation several times since he's been there yeah. about how his mm-hmm. instant response is, well, you want me out of here. It's like, Michael, no, yeah. you're welcome. We, we're here for you, and I want to 
reasonably look forward to the future and make some plans mm-hmm. for whatever the possibilities are. You know, the plan I'd really like to make is for how you you take some action and you get stronger and healthier and, you know, you, you jump right up and you, you know, are at a whole new level of aliveness. That's the plan I'd like to make. And that's not exactly where the trend is going. So what can yeah, we do? That's all. Yeah. <clears throat> that's all good. Yeah. The emotional collapse comes very early. Tears. Um, just immediate incapacitation. He has PTSD and severe anxiety. He might even have a panic attack. So I'm just telling you, this is what we deal with. And we have been very, very careful around him not to trigger any of that. And maybe that's not so good. There might be some over-responsibility in that for you. You know, yeah. has over-responsibility ever been an issue in your life? And maybe it's time oh. to let go of over-responsibility and let him take the responsibility for his life, even at his limited capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's one route I, I would like to mine, and that is that he has an ex-wife right in this neighborhood somewhere. He won't tell me who she is. Um. But maybe I could suggest that we call her in on this. She's probably a perfectly nice person who just was tearing her hair out and didn't want to deal. And the story he tells is one half the story. I'd love to be able to talk to her. But maybe that's right. a tangent. I don't know. Anyway, thanks for doing this, Michael. Uh, Good enough to for. go on. You know, you're not yeah. the only one who's facing the difficult conversation. So this is for all of us. Thanks. Difficult conversations can be difficult, no question about it. Mm -hmm. And if we soften and let loose of the fear we have about them, they can, the path can be smoothed to making it easier. Absolutely. And that's what Dr. Tim was talking about in the previous hour. You know, hmm. what, is, what is it to hold the space of love? It's to allow and expand, breathe, not know, uh, um, stay out of fear. Keep, uh, anyway, it was lots of things to think about. Because <clears throat> there's a ton of fear about this. And I identify with Michael. So, so I'll, I'll just throw in. Yeah, I'll throw in yeah. one thought. My offering is there was there is not one iota of fear about this. Okay. There's just fear in your mind. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you can yeah. put it on this, or you can put it on that, yeah. or the next thing, or the next, or the last. But there's no fear about this. There's just fear. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have the capacity to heal the fear in your mind to forgive and remove the fear and approach mm-hmm. it with the mind of God. Approach it literally with the mind of love instead of the mind of fear. Go back to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's the creator talking to us. I gave you a mind, a sound mind based in love. 
But just this, just pointing out, and as you listen to your language, notice the subtle denial. There's a lot of fear about this. No, there's just a oh, lot yeah. of fear. God. And yeah, it's time to, right. uh, to be loosed of this fear. It's probably an old generational dynamic that's gone on in the family system for God only knows who long. How long, pardon me. Yeah. Who long might be more appropriate. <laughs> who long, yeah. <laughs> like who, who started this, this level of fear and trepidation about life? Oh, and yeah. am I willing to put the pen to the paper and forgive it and come forward with a mind of literally what the ancient teachings talked about is the mind of Christ. I'm going to bring Christ's mind to this conversation. Well, I always I say get better Jesus than that. didn't have a house. <laughs> right, yeah. He didn't have a house, so he didn't have to have somebody living with him. So he didn't have that problem. This is one of my things that I think. You can't tell me what to do because you never had to do that. Come on. No. <laughs> I'm just making my excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. I want to wiggle out of this, but I've got it on paper. Okay. And perhaps before you approach that conversation with him, you might share a little bit with Tim and ask him if he'll sit with you in a worksheet around that fear. And that, you know, I mean, that you're really ready physiologically, psychologically, emotionally to be finished having fear running your life. Mm, how lovely that would be. Yes. Yeah, I can see it again on Broadway, the bright lights. <laughs> Susan Bingham. The woman who's always connected to confidence and the mind of love in her, no matter what. And we're all capable of living there. Do we all? Well, I can't proclaim that I have all the time, much as I'd like to. Hmm. Well, thanks, Michael. And Jeannie, the background person who types away and puts everything up before you even suggest it, corrects problems before they manifest. <laughs> it, it, I'm so blessed. That's, that's an absolute given. Yeah. I'm so blessed. Sorry about your sign. You know, we had a beautiful wind chime on our front porch, and somebody took it. And I know that feeling. It's like, how could they do that? This is this is like the sound of love hanging off my porch, and this person takes it. And I remember we wrote a sign and put it up in front. Would the brother or sister who thought that that might be a nice thing to take away, please bring it back because we really miss it. And if you don't want to bring it back, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it was really strange when we realized it was gone and went up. And, you know, I had just little twist ties where I had, you know, tied yeah. to a little uh, metal frame. And it was mm-hmm. like, 
it just boggles my mind that somebody had to stop their car, or maybe it was somebody out walking their dog. I don't know. We have people go by once in a while walking their dogs and went, hmm, I think I'll undo those twist ties and take that sign. It's like, what is the yeah. sign about kindness? You're going to steal a sign about being <laughs> oh. kind? Well, how kind is that? <laughs> but anyway. I know. I hope oh, it goes somewhere bad. where it has a good a good impact. I actually thought about, uh, I think maybe I'll order a half a dozen of them and just have them here so they disappear. We can pass them out. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it was a curious nice. garden sign. You had a big, great, beautiful picture of a nice, bright yellow bee. Says, well, of all things I know. you can be, on the... be kind. Yeah. <laughs> be Yeah. Who has more fun than humans, or should I say non-humans? Yeah. All right, young lady. Well, any other thoughts for you? No, I don't have any thoughts. All right. Well, we appreciate (laughs) you and cherish you, and give Tim a big hug for us. And Michael, too. Thanks. All right. Oh, yes. Okay. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. And we do have two other hands up. Let's rock and roll. The first one is 828. Is this Magda? We haven't heard from you in a while. Hi there. Yes, it is Magda. Welcome. Um, Hey, young lady. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I know that there's another caller waiting, so I will just say my little suggestion and and maybe get some feedback from you. Um, I've gone through numerous different mm, uh, conversations with people that my mind told me might be very difficult to do. And and one thing I've learned uh, is to reassure the person readily often during the conversation um, because there is, you get to know a person and you realize, okay, if I say this, he or she is going to jump to the conclusion that what I mean is that because right. we've had that before, right? So with, with Michael, I'm thinking because he is well known for saying, so you want me to be out of here, right? Um, it might be very advantageous to start out with the first sentence saying, you know, Michael, we want to talk to you, and we are not saying we want you to get out of here. And to, in fact, uh, say that often, at least during the first part, to help him perhaps be more um, steady and solid about the conversation rather than have his fears ignited and have his regular... You think... Yeah, we could even go to Michael. You know how delighted we are that you're here. Hey. <laughs> yeah. 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 How old is it like for that? It. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Right. Okay, so. <clears throat> um, well, we like and I just appreciate you. And the same goes back to you guys, for sure. Uh, Accepted. <laughs> so. <laughs> Wonderful. Let's hear what the other caller has to say. All right, young lady, you have a blessed one. Appreciate you. And blessings to you all. Bye. 
All right, Miss Jean, we've believe, got another hand. Let's say hello. Yeah, we do. I believe this one is Miss Celinda, 541. You're on the air, lady. Hello, Celinda. Are you on mute? Are you mute challenged? I know how the mute challenge goes. I do it myself every once in a while. But And it's really you strange. Us, the number is on here twice, but her hand is up on one of them and not the other one. Let me click the other microphone. Let me I try the other I, one. Yeah. That's a new one. <laughs> Celinda, now, are you with she might have, she, might, she might have had to call back yes. in. Can you hear me? I heard her voice. She's with us loud and clear. Can you must you have had hear, to call back in. and hear me? It's still connected in the other line. Oh, I'll call back in. No, 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 you're good. You're good. We're, oh, we got it. Oh, hear me now. Okay. You're Perfect. loud and clear. You're loud and clear. Welcome. Yay, yay, yay. Did you have to call yep. back in? No. I just uh, huh. unmute, unmuted myself again, and then Jeannie switched numbers. So that okay. somehow we so how do you be, young lady? I'm doing well. I'm having a very large challenge, just like Susan, but not like Susan. Hmm, How can we support you? What's the the essence um, of the question? I'm unwilling to put it on the air um, at this point, and I'll wrestle with it some more, and I may never put it on the air, but I do need support. So we'll see. Can we do it in general terms? Without nope. getting into specifics, so we've got some sense nope. of where you're nope, going with it. No, because I very often, I very often share with my family and stuff, and I just uh, there's certain this okay. is this is the situation. I'll I'll hang out for it. a Go private for it. Uh, But anyway, I wanted to tell you that um, if you didn't hear Dr. Tim's show and Susan's conversation with him that I mentioned when I got on at the end that I feel like I am a pea in Susan's pod or she's a pea in my pod, one of the two, because we seem to be leapfrogging over each other in our uh, own personal journeys towards healing. I did want to share We are all in this together. Aren't we? For sure. uh, I do my best to give up gurus the minute I notice that I'm trying to turn them into one and because I realized a long time ago that we all have clay feet so let's don't get too serious Absolutely, about this. every one of us yeah. don't look but too closely at my life yeah right yeah right don't don't let me hear don't let me see I'm not willing <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of those aging processes where we go deaf and we go blind is because we are just following our um, our decision that we yeah. put in charge a long time ago and have been in charge our whole lives. And at some point, the physical deterioration from all of that negative energy is so great that we fall off the cliff in that Just in that a reflection, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll cancel that clip so anyway, idea, but we'll stand safe. I, I'm sure I'm going through multiple healing crises here, but the good news hmm. and the good news, let me include that, and the good news is that um, I am more regular than I've ever been in my life, and I am so absolutely amazed that I don't know what to do about it. It's not something I like to talk about, but I think it's significant 
in relation to healing that work. That is significant. So you know, elimination is a reflection of letting go. Yeah. So that's that awesome. Been my, uh, that poem that I will eventually get to you <laughs> um, and let you know so you can download it. Um, if you're interested, is a reflection, as I mentioned, of the seven chakras and very much was helped by Carolyn Mace's work on the anatomy of spirit and her her morning and evening meditation. Uh, Also, um, I am working and have been for a couple of years of hatching or gestating um, uh, 12 meridian actually the 14 with the two cent, um, two reservoirs, um, a whole setup about how each organ, um, and it's not really the organ, but like the liver meridian, has to do with change, alchemy, which is spirit working in us, uh, the holy breath, and uh, in uh, and us in cooperation and transformation, and so I offer that up. Um, maybe in in infinity, if I don't get to it, um, it's probably because I want it perfect, right? Mm, go figure. So anyway, so how can we support um, you? Share that. Well, you can support me by. Um, by who you are and what your purpose is, definitely. And uh, you supported me because I am now ready to do my worksheets. <laughs> and I'm about ready All to right. trot down. Well, I have done them, but, you know, very sporadically. And right. now I'm doing them. Um, and I'm trotting down today, I hope, to get, because uh, I only have two left of Magda's short form, and I think I'll get the short form of your um, wake-up sheet, the latest and the latest one, the short form and the latest awesome. one, and I'll start working on them. Fabulous. So I just thank you. The support, the support happens all the time. Um, Fabulous. I, well, there's a point. I was laughing. Pardon? I was going to say, if there's a point where you've got a worksheet that, you know, is not – uh, intimate with family that you'd want to restrict, that you want support right. with, you know, you're welcome to call in and we'll walk through it and uh, oh, give you feedback. Sure. Oftentimes, I've... just the feedback can be really right. useful to open perspectives. So, Well, it's hard for me. Today I happen to be cutting up a chicken, but it's hard to me to stay on the show for two hours. Really difficult. So uh, Dr. Tim has been supporting me a lot with languaging and clarification. And when I can get on uh, and when I can get on and I have a worksheet that I want to pass by you, sometimes um, I'm directed to pass it by you and Jeannie and sometimes I'm directed to pass it by Dr. Tim. So that's what we're doing. Wherever it fits. That's right. Oh, and I must say that I laugh more on these shows as I identify with the different uh, people who call in and with you and Jeannie and Sweet. Dr. Tim. And I awesome, awesome. So joy is in the future. All right. I'm step by step, and that's all. Thank you. 
All right, young lady. Well, we hold the space and uh, delighted you're keying in. You know, we had a, a lady that did this work for about 15 years. She'd been to two or three intensives at Heartland, and she would not do a worksheet. And we actually, she invited us. We were, she lived in Fort Lauderdale. She invited us to stay with her. We were doing a workshop. She came to the workshop and still didn't do a worksheet. And about two months later, she wrote to me and said, I'm doing these worksheets for the first time in 15 years, and the worksheets become my best friend, my favorite tool. She would do mind shifters. She used the other tools, but she wouldn't touch the worksheet in those early years, and it became her best friend. So I'll hold the space that perhaps becomes your best friend. And everybody, thanks for joining us. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. And blessings. Bye-bye.